Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Not D&D, brought to you by EM World Live. I'm your host, Jessica, and excitingly, I am delighted to have this guest with us today. We have Marissa Kelly from Magpie Games. Marissa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you here because we're going to be talking about uh, Bluebeard's Bride, um, which is a wonderful tabletop role-playing game that we're going to talk you through for the next half hour or so. Um, and if you have any questions or I don't ask the right question, you want to know more, if you go to Magpie Games' website there, um, you can check out all the information and pick up a copy for yourself. Um, so Marissa, before I we talk about the game, I'm a very nosy person um, and I want to know a bit about you, if that's okay. Um, so I always ask guests if they um, remember the first role-playing game they ever played. Yeah, um, I was, I don't know, like seven or so, and my dad hacked Traveler for me so that oh, I could nice. play Star Wars with okay. him. <laughs> so it was a one-player Traveler uh, already sort of uh, messed with so that I could play a little Force Adept running around the galaxy. Perfect. We love that. And it's so nice because I think a lot of people's first games is Dungeons and Dragons as well. So I'm always interested when somebody's isn't and, and why that was. Um, so it sounds like your dad was really into games as well. So that was just something really normal for you growing up. Yeah. And then I had a lot of friends who had kept it up and also role played and stuff. So I was always in some kind of game and uh, I got the like nice thing of being the game master's girlfriend a lot so I got to have pretty cool characters regularly so that was oh, nice. nice so um how did you go from somebody who kind of played a lot of games and enjoyed them to somebody that you know runs uh, a gaming company and makes games and does all the things you do now yeah uh originally mark and i um my co-founder and the ceo of magpie um we wanted to make comic books and uh <laughs> we were like, oh, this is really hard. So we switched to <laughs> RPGs, which is also really hard. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was about it, to say is, yeah. It did not completely uh, ease us into this next phase. But if we had known how hard it was, we wouldn't have done it, uh, just like anything. <laughs> sure. uh, we both played a lot of role playing games and uh, we met playing role playing games. And uh, Mark had already run a business and I could do some art. Uh, so we thought we could start it up pretty easily with me doing a lot of the art, him doing a lot mm -hmm. of the writing. Um, and in 2011 is when we started all this. We also moved to Boston that year for college. Mark was in grad mm -hmm. school and I finished undergrad. Um, and we went to our first Gen Con where we met mm -hmm. uh, a few people, talked to them networking. Will Highmarch and Daniel Solis uh, introduced us to Kickstarter. They're like, you should go check this out. And yeah. so we submitted our Game Chef uh, game and we did pretty good. And then we went to Kickstarter with it and we raised $5,000. <laughs> we were really excited. Um, and Kickstarter was really new. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't backed by anybody that we knew, which was cool. Um, that is cool, yeah. Yeah. And then basically we just kind of kept doing it in the way – there's no like really easy way to get money in role-playing games. So Kickstarter yeah. really made it possible for us to get our business going. Um, mm -hmm. And like I drew our first logo with Sharpie and we were set. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. That sounds good. Yeah, I think Kickstarter was so huge for just like giving access to so many creators to to make it happen. Because like you say, otherwise, if you're if you're just doing conventions and trying to get it into distribution, it can feel, you know, like such a, a barrier. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so glad Magpie Games exists because you have many, many amazing games which people can go to the website and check out. Um, but we're here to talk about uh, Bluebeard's Bride today. Um, so people that haven't heard about the game, could you give us like, an introduction and, and, and yeah, give us the, the pitch for it, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, Bluebeard's Bride is sort of my, for me personally, it's my love letter to ghost stories. Um, mm -hmm. It's... I really have a passion for storytelling in general, and I find role-playing games are a great way to keep, you know, oral storytelling traditions alive and just keep it yeah. really people involved in the hobby and new people especially are fantastic to hear from. Um, and Bluebeard's Bride is, uh, you know, hopefully uh, a really fun horror-like haunted house game that you get to play with everyone. So... I'd say uh, the best way to get into it is when you sit down to play, you have to uh, tell the story of Bluebeard so that everybody's on the same page. So Bluebeard is an old, old fairy tale with many different versions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but basically everybody's gotta be on the same page for how it starts, middle and the end of it, because that's sort of the tale that you're playing out. Um, mm -hmm. So a lord had all these riches that, you know, anyone could imagine. Uh, he was, but he had this like shocking, hideous blue beard. And uh, so he could never be mistaken uh, or ignored. So his namesake of Bluebeard uh, was yeah. what he was called. And he was fearsome and known for having an uneven temper, but he'd been married many, many times and no one quite knew what happened to each of the wives, but there were rumors around town, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and one day uh, while hunting on a humble farmstead, Bluebeard was met by a lovely farmer's daughter. Uh, he was smitten by her immediately and was like, this is my next wife. And the young woman, was scared by Bluebeard, but she couldn't mm -hmm. really let her family languish in poverty and thought to herself, well, maybe his beard isn't that blue. <laughs> maybe he's not that bad. Um, so Bluebeard uh, married her as soon as possible. He took her home and showed her the mansion that was going to be her home because she would never have any need to leave the estate ever again, because that was sort of the wife's lot in life at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, alas, with his wife still in his wedding, her wedding gown, he was called away. And before he left, uh, Bluebeard says, here are the keys to your home. You can go anywhere you want, explore the home. Everything is yours, but do not use this one key or go into this one room. I forbid you to enter this one room, but everything else is yours. You have full reign of the house, full reign of the servants. It's yours. Um, and the bride promises. He leaves. He was entrapping her, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, why did he give her the key then? Right. <laughs> yeah. Curiosity gets the better of her, and mm -hmm. she opens this door and sees the horrors of all his former brides uh mutilated and hung on display uh she drops the key in a 
pool of blood as she hears him coming back up the hallway. Uh, she picks it up and this is where the story has different endings sometimes. Uh, sometimes her mother or her brother saves her, but most often, and in our story, she's killed. Uh, he sees the blood on near on the key, knows that she was uh, disobeying him and murders her and displays her in there as well. So That's our version funny. is yeah. a horror story where you're playing the bride as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the structure of the game is like a haunted house game where the bride goes and explores different rooms looking for evidence of what happened to who and why, and then deciding if her husband was responsible for those horrors or if he was not. And that'll set her down the path of either being a faithful bride or a disloyal one. So you're playing the bride is kind of a big part that makes, uh, mm -hmm. makes the Bluebeard is that you have like this big lack of agency um, yeah. and the bride doesn't even have a name. <laughs> so um, defined by her marriage to a man exactly wow. so what a she, historical trope <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so the the fairy tale is very much like don't disobey your husband or you'll get what's coming to you um of course i would i would never <laughs> <laughs> but this is so much this game gives you so much more in horror tropes to explore and to bring to the table that mm -hmm. it's really rich, uh, even for replaying and everything. So it's normally a one shot game that you play, you sit down, mm -hmm. light up the candles, you know, make, draw the curtains so that it's dark and creepy. Uh, and then you get to go in and, uh, you're not just playing one character, the bride, uh, mm -hmm. you're actually each player is taking on the roles of different parts of her psyche. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are referred to as sisters. And so you're not individual people, but rather a facet of the bride's personality because the bride mm -hmm. is a complicated, conflicted woman. She's just doing her best to make sense of the <laughs> crazy mess that is in front of her. Um, so you, you get to either be the animus, uh, who is sort of mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, has a lot of masculine uh fighty instincts, the fatale, who's more of a seductress, the mother, who's more of a protector, the virgin, who's super innocent, or the witch, who, uh, you know, is this magical force within, uh, within the bride. Mm -hmm. um, so you get a key, because um, you get a whole ring of keys, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the cool ways that the GM gets to know what you're doing as you go through uh, and what you may be looking for as a player is the player gets to describe the key to the door that they want to enter. So they're nice. like, oh, this one's made of wood and not on. So then I describe as the Gia or the groundskeeper, as they're called, what that door looks like. Oh, well, this the door is, you know, also wood and the smell of like animals and like feces and urine is wafting out at you, right? that sort of thing. So now we have like this maybe animal hoarding out like room mm -hmm. that we get to go into. Um, but that's just because that's what the key invoked in me as the groundskeeper. Mm -hmm. um, but once you go into a room, the door is shut. Um, you can try and leave, but through magical realism, uh, you're not going to be able to leave until mm -hmm. you decide what happened to who and why, and then get your, uh, token and uh, 
decide once you get enough tokens and one of the tracks fills for faithfulness mm -hmm. or disloyalty, then you can go to the final room and decide whether or not you're going to look through the keyhole, <laughs> whether you're going to go inside. Mm -hmm. um, and that is what decides your, your final fate in the game. So it's a tragic horror from the very beginning because I, I don't imagine there's many happy endings in this story. <laughs> well, yeah, no, there's lots of uh, like epilogue questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, so that each uh, player still gets to contribute to their ending. But the kind of horror that we're emulating really relies mm -hmm. on a fatalistic sense of like powerlessness. So yeah. if you can win the game, it doesn't feel true to this haunted house where you take on yeah. the role of a woman who is defined by her lack of agency. So mm -hmm. the feeling you would get from a happy ending would probably yeah. undermine yeah. the premise that we've set yeah. up and the principles you established in a happy story. The lessons that are learned are very different. Um, mm -hmm. The bride, for example, might need a name <laughs> to <laughs> honor what she's been through. Right. Um, yeah. And that's just not the kind of like creepy haunted house vibe that we want to keep giving over and over throughout the game. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I love I loved the the intro to this and and I'm planning to run it soon myself. Oh, um, when when somebody's uh, I'm reasonably new to GMing games. I've been playing for over a decade, but I've only really started running this year. So what sort of guidance would you give to to GMs sitting down to to run the game for their table? Yeah, well, if you're familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse games, this is one of those. Um mm -hmm. so it has recognizable PBTA bones. Uh even though the rules are changed a bit to enhance that lack of agency that I was talking about. Oh, so yeah. what, what sort of changes are there just to jump into that before we answer the other questions? Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. So the, like, for example, on your playbook, which is the, one of the sisters that you've taken on, those are very limited um, mm -hmm. in what they can do. You have like a special move that you can do, but otherwise it's, it's pretty small bite-sized but the highest bonus you can get to a character is a plus one um and in most pbta games a plus two is common uh to mm -hmm. have in at least one ability to start or a plus three as the max but and that adds to a you know curl distribution for the seven to nine results and how often you're going to get those so the lower ceiling of the plus one means that more hits are going to be seven to nine, which is a complicated, you have to choose something horrible variety rather than okay. the best 10 plus result. And misses will also be more common. Um, and that means the groundskeeper gets to do their moves um, on top of what the, the players were doing. So many moves also don't require you to roll dice at all. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when you investigate a mysterious object, you're simply allowed to ask two of the four available questions. There's no way to miss, um, but no way to ask more questions either. So not be and mostly that's just because when you're not rolling dice, it's because that's not where the uncertainty lives in the story. So we want to roll dice when we're not sure where the outcome will go. And mm -hmm. if you're just asking, what do I see? That's not interesting <laughs> yeah. uh, to keep yeah. rolling for. And it's really annoying um, because that's just not where the, the action, even if you are very limited in what you can do um, to as a, as this 
woman in this character in this story, it just makes it a lot harder to like do things that are like uh, that traditional role playing games would allow you to do. So like the moves are, you know, you can care for someone, you can investigate the mysterious object, like I said. Um, you can take stock of the situation, but when you have the wedding ring, um, which is a turn-based system uh, among the players, you can shiver from fear, tell everybody what you're afraid of, and that can happen at any time that the GM is talking. And they'll be like, it looks like you just shivered from fear. What are you afraid is going to happen? And then what they say can happen, but it's worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and to build on top of that, yeah. Yeah, you can do a bunch of other things too, but the only fighty uh, mm -hmm. like move you can make is dirty yourself with violence. So you can't turn to that all the time. It's not always very effective, just like anything else. Like I said, the distribution is gonna mean that it's a complicated success more than not or miss. Mm -hmm. So um, those are all going to be ways in which it's going to feel a bit more limited in when you're playing a PBTA and that you yeah. have to trigger these things to be able to do an exit move to leave the room at all. Mm -hmm. What was the, the reason you chose to base it on, you know, Powered by the Apocalypse? Because there's, there's so many different systems out there. So just wondering what, what, what made you feel that was the correct fit for this story? Yeah, actually... Um, well, this game came out of a 2014 uh, Hacking as Women event. Like, it was a oh, workshop okay. at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was helping lead the event, and it was designed to show women how easy it was to create role-playing games. Mm -hmm. So during the workshop, I was paired with Sarah and Whitney as their systems coach. Mm -hmm. And the two of them came up with the premise of the fairy tale horror game that was used as the Bluebeard story for inspiration. And then I walked them through a series of tabletop systems and the core elements of those game design wise. Um, yeah. And then we felt that based on what they wanted the mm -hmm. experience to be, the PBTA was more equipped to do that than some of the other ones. Um, for example, like <clears throat> if you're thinking about, uh, PBTA and Star Wars, for example, um, yeah. you get like, I would say Han Solo is much more of like a fake character where mm -hmm. like, it's just what he's willing to pay to do mm -hmm. what he wants to do to accomplish what he wants to do. All the trouble that he gets into is mostly because he's just going through it and just not willing to sacrifice a little too much there or there. Whereas Luke is very much more of a power by the apocalypse character. He loses his hand. He finds out that the big bad is his dad. He's like just sort of at the whims of his environment a whole lot more. He suffers a whole lot more consequences as mm -hmm. these moves would have snowballed around him. Right. So their horror and the way they actually wanted to do a horror game that made people creeped out mm -hmm. let us down this road a little bit more. I think a thriller game, for example, one where you're not scared, you're more excited about how creepy mm -hmm. it is, that yeah. can be a different sort of mechanic. And then yeah. uh, basically that was the first time we all really spent substantial time together and we connected 
uh, I was like, hey, do you guys want to actually make this a thing? It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and we kept in contact and uh, made it a reality. Amazing. And I'm so glad that happened because I'm very excited to to run this game, as I mentioned. So I'm going to pull us back to the question I was asking before I got, got stuck in the mechanics of, um, yeah, what advice do you have for, for GMs running this game? Like you mentioned the tone is is quite important to that. So can any guidance around that? Yeah, um, I would say um, make sure that everyone has good buy-in. Um, this is going to be a lot easier when you know your players and you can just talk to them easier. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a GM who wants to run this at a convention with a bunch of strangers, um, <coughs> excuse me, I usually rely on the X card really heavily in both scenarios mm-hmm. and home group or not. And the X card is a safety mechanic by John Stravopoulos that mm-hmm. is basically uh, the conceit is we're all here to have a good time. Right. Mm -hmm. So if one of us isn't having a good time, then we're all creative enough to just push the button and come up with something else. So, um, you just, you know, flag that you're X carding something. We clarify what it is that needs to change. You don't need to say why you don't need to explain anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and then since instead of spiders coming down the corners of the ceilings, it's ooze. And then we move on. Um, Mm -hmm. and that really allows the GM to just push, uh, and do things as creepy Mm -hmm. as possible. So for me, um, I think you're designing and running it with the intention, uh, of scaring people at the table and fear Mm -hmm. is a difficult emotion to create, uh, in that environment because RPGs are so safe. (laughs) You're just, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and like a ghost story, right? So like there are many, uh, like I was talking about, there's many uh, games that make you feel tense or worried for the yeah. character, but we wanted to make you, the players really scared. Um, mm-hmm. So part of n- not being like, part of being one character <laughs> or one like mm-hmm. together helps you like to keep perspective on yourself and be creeped out yourself. So we need them to feel fear, uh, discomfort deep down in themselves. And that was sort of a guiding principle while designing. Um, but cause I was trying to make a system which would make players want to slam their hand down on the X card over and over again. So <laughs> I want to push as hard as I can all times because mm-hmm. if the GM doesn't think it's scary, the players won't either. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that as you're running the game, you, and I mean, for people who are, you know, also familiar with like erotic fiction or something like that, you have to give to be like, you have to, it has to be sexy for you to think like for someone else to think it's sexy. Mm -hmm. It has to be scary to you. And then you're probably going to scare other people as well. Um, So I'd say give it your all in that and rely on the players to know their limits. Because Mm -hmm. if you're worrying all the time about, whatever people are thinking it's too much like that's too much to keep track of it's not going to be fun for you and then uh there's one little fun thing uh for groundskeepers the gm Mm -hmm. to be able to do and that's uh bluebeard is designed as a one-shot game but it has this option for continuity with previously played brides appearing in the next game Mm -hmm. so as the horror of like one of the rooms 
uh, can be a previous bride that they ran for someone else mm -hmm. or for the table. So I found that this option mostly serves as like an Easter egg for the groundskeeper, um, something mm -hmm. like a little treat for them that no one else might know, um, yeah. like a mini game of sorts. Mm -hmm. But by the nature of our hobby, many groundskeepers are going to run this game for different groups. And mm -hmm. most players won't know that their groundskeeper is calling on a horror inspired by a previous game that they run. Yeah. But once revealed, I found that players get really excited by the idea that their bride will somehow be immortalized through mm -hmm. the horrors yeah. that they perished under. Like, and it seems to really be a nice way to keep the groundskeeper, like, I don't know, interested <laughs> and yeah. uh, inspired to keep things creepy. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was gonna ask about uh, the nature of it being a one shot, but you could easily just, because Bluebeard has many brides, so you yeah. this one, but you know, they're gonna keep, you know, they're gonna keep going, I imagine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, you know, a lot of the inspiration, it's really, it would be really difficult to uh, talk about this game and not talk about you know, feminism and misogyny. Could you talk a little bit about your intent uh, with creating this game, you and the other creators regarding those themes? Yeah, I think um, personally the biggest thing that keeps coming up about that in the game as it's been released is that uh, sometimes it really intimidates people that they don't want to run it because they feel like it's a woman's game. Um, mm -hmm. So personally, I like to just relieve that tension a bit. Yeah. Um, women yeah. are people too and yeah. this is a fun haunted house game um if you mm -hmm. like horror and you like being creeped out if you like that kind of creativity that you can create with your friends like how creepy can this get um like i do personally then it's going to be a lot more like approachable um mm -hmm. there are fun things about horror in general that i think are very uh you know speak to a lot of feminine experiences where um you know people think you're crazy, they're not believing you, like uh, feeling that you might get by dropping your keys in a car garage and like hearing some footsteps, the music is going to like really mm -hmm. enforce that there's something real about that experience in a horror uh, genre in general. And so I think it's a really fun way for RPGs to explore that kind of creepy experience that, that you can, and those tropes that you can really play on. So with Bluebeard's Bride in particular, obviously we're leaning into the misogynist sort of framework here to mm -hmm. perpetuate that sense of um, lack of agency. The book is written in a tone that's condescending um, and calls <laughs> you like darling and stuff like that. Like, um, and so it's it's meant to invoke a lot of those feelings that that are what those women are supposed to be so quote unquote supposed to be feeling, um, mm -hmm. and it, it's just reinforcing that that environment and what they're experiencing is true. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like the bride has many uh, you know facets to her personality, but she's not crazy. She's not schizophrenic. She's just a complicated person. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that uh, some of our supplements and stuff let you go into different, um, like less fairy tale style um, houses, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and scenarios, yeah. and make it a little bit more modern. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think that the 
feminine experience in this game just lends itself really well to like a creepy environment that no one really cares that much about you personally. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a summary of the feminine experience everyone <laughs> listening. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I think I've hit most of the questions um, that I wanted to, to ask you and talk about in the game. Is there anything else you, you want to want to talk about or any closing words to, to let people know about Bluebeard's Bride? Um, no, I think that uh, basically just that, yeah, I think that it's it can be kind of an intimidating thing for some people to approach, uh, but just, you know, give it a go and take and put into it what you find fun about horror. And I think you'll be surprised by what people give you. So the fun thing about this is it's a one shot. So the barrier to entry is pretty low. If it, yeah. if you didn't have a perfect session, that was the whole game. You just try again. Um, you could even have some, one of the players be the groundskeeper next time, do the exact yeah. same rooms, but they're going to be totally different because your friend is going to describe the kitchen in a totally different way um, and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, it's important to just have fun with it. Uh, I think the, you know, spooky season is a great way to get mm -hmm. into it and keep it going. So, you know, just, uh, and if you are running it for a bunch of strangers, um, I know that like just lean on those safety tools, I think, and don't, yeah, don't take on their issues. <laughs> so if they're not interested in using the X card, you can find another game for them to play. There's lots of other games. So just, you know, make sure that you, uh, you can explore the system too. And that it's not just on you to babysit everybody. Sure. Got it. That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for sharing the game. Uh, the link is on the screen or in the podcast show notes if you're listening, if you'd like to pick up a copy from Magpie Games. Um, Rista, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about the game. I feel like I have a even more in-depth understanding of it now and feel ready to run it myself. Um, before you go, I would like to ask you one more question I ask um, everyone, and it's if you have any recommendations for any other TTRPGs, and the rule is it can't be D&D &D and it can't be uh, a game that you've made. Of course, um, I would say that my go-to other game is definitely Burning Wheel. Um, mm -hmm. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has rules that are modular for if you want to get really in deep with like having conflicts um, that are you know from range and cover to you know verbal debates, or you can just sort of be like oh, you know, contested role for those if it's not that important to the story at the moment. Um, and the life paths are really great. It's just a lot of fun. Um, I'd also say the One Ring has been really fun mm -hmm. for me to be playing cute hobbits mm -hmm. running around. Yeah. It's very sweet. Uh, if you're looking for something to balance out your... Oh, your palette cleanser. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, like, Apocalypse World is always a good classic. Of course. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marissa. Some great recommendations there. And thank you, everyone, who listened and came along to watch. And we'll be back next week with another TTRPG to tell you all about. Thanks very thank much. You. Bye.